welcome to the Find Your Best Future podcast. This is the podcast that helps international families make great decisions when it comes to choosing university courses. Welcome to another episode of the Find Your Best Future podcast. Today we're taking a look at international relations and I must admit I'm not actually that clear on what international relations is as a subject. Jeremy, can you help me with that? I most certainly can, Neil. International relations or politics, uh, it refers to a field of study and practice focused on understanding the relationship that exists between various nations and cultures. And these relationships can impact everything from international politics, law, economics, security, diplomacy, governance. All of these things fall under the remit of international relations. Okay. All right. So I'm guessing then... You know, uh, I can imagine a diplomat. Is that right? Um, that will certainly be the obvious choice. Yes, a, a diplomat. But the, as we're going to see later on, there are a lot of other jobs one can do as a graduate in international relations. Could you sort of drill into what a, a typical course looks like for me, please? Certainly. Um, I think we should have a look at the international relations course offered at King's College London. Okay. Um, because this program is structured around the four pillars of international relations. That is international history, international right. relations theory, international political economy, and international practice. And this includes diplomacy, foreign policy, etc. So, so this would be a, sort of a, a crossover um, with... Um, maybe a PPE course or something like that. Do they, do they share uh, some similarities there? They do, yes. I mean, certainly this, this is quite a broad field, international relations. You're going to be touching on a lot of different areas, as we're about to see when we drill into the, the course content here at King's College London. Right, so where do they start off uh, uh, at King's College? Well, in the first year, um, they they introduce students to international relations theory and of course a little bit about the history or background of the international system conflict and diplomacy uh, contemporary security issues and so these are really the foundations that, that they deal with in year one and then in year two this is where things broaden out a little bit and students can at least in part select their topics their units from um, a range of different modules on offer. So a, a student at King's would do global politics, and then they would um, have a look at Department of War Studies. King's is actually very well known for this. They have a, a separate degree on this topic. Right. And then Euro European and International Studies. So you can really pick the modules which uh, speak to you, which interest you the most. Okay, so year two is about focusing in on a, a specific realm. What happens then in, in year three? Because UK courses are three-year courses, yeah? Yes. So, uh, again, you, you get to select your modules, but you're also going to have to write a 10,000-word research dissertation on a particular sub subject. Now, as an example, one of my former students actually studied international relations, and he decided he would have a look at the water politics in the Jordan Valley. Now, the water, of course, is a critical issue in a, what is a fairly arid region of the world. Who controls the water supply? 
Um, I remember the Jordan Valley is divided between well, Syria, Lebanon, Israel, Jordan, etc. So this is where water impinges on yeah, international relations or the relationship between those nations. So that was quite an interesting and topical study. It's just an example of the sort of research paper that you, you could theoretically uh, submit. Um, and so, then these, yes, yeah, sorry, no, So, you know, you, you know 10,000 word research dissertation is a, is a lot of writing uh, um, and a lot of research work as well, isn't it? Yes, and it requires a lot of time. But I think it's a very useful um, thing to do because what they're looking to do here is to really hone your research skills because a lot of your future work is going to be around researching. And so you really need to understand how research works and what are the limitations right. on, on research. And then, of course, how to present the findings of your research, both in terms of the written paper you submit and also in terms of uh, oral presentations to an audience. And I mentioned that, that language skills play uh, a significant part, not just English language skills. Obviously, you need to be an excellent writer um, if you're going to undertake this course of study, but um, other languages as well, is that right? Um, it's certainly a bonus, yes. Uh, the, the universities don't normally require that you be fluent in, in, in more than one language, clearly, off, obviously, English, because it, we're talking here about universities that teach in English. But if you can speak or and or read and write another language or languages, it's certainly a bonus for you. In fact, most universities will offer you the chance to, to pick up an extra language as you go through your three years uh, of your IR degree. Right. It sounds almost like a liberal arts degree as well, in, in many ways, with the broad range of areas that you can uh, cover in your degree. Is that right? Oh, very much so, um, because you really get to, at least in part, uh, build your own degree because of the focus on um, selecting from a list of electives. It gives you, the student, a certain amount of control over how your degree is actually structured. Okay, so I'm interested in, in the, the content, um, I'm finding it fascinating. But again, you know, I'm not really clear on, on what jobs are available uh, uh, if you've studied international relations. You know, am I automatically going to be a diplomat or studying at the United Nations? Uh, people always think of the United Nations uh, because, of course, the whole international political uh, aspect of the UN. Um, you may end up at the UN, uh, but there are a lot of other places you're more likely to end up working in. Um, for example, the civil service of your own country. Um, you remember, uh, most countries have a diplomatic service where you go out and work in embassies. Uh, right. an inter interesting career. Uh, you might become a, a governmental social research officer, an intelligence mm -hmm. analyst. Uh, a lot of governments have intelligence services where they oh, it's spy on each other. this to become uh, a spy or what? Spy on each other, yes. It's very, very, very James Bond, I would say. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so if you are hankering after a career as the next James Bond, I think perhaps you should be looking somewhere else. But seriously, okay. though, I mean, intelligence analyst, yes, uh, international aid worker, development worker, very, very right. important area. Uh, some of that, of course, falls under the remit of the United Nations, and some um, is organized by individual governments. 
um, political risk analysts, governments need to know, you know, what are the risks if we pursue this particular policy? Um, public affairs consultants, military officer, you could go and do that. Broadcast journalist, uh, you could become an auditor. Um, large organizations need auditors to check up on what they're doing. Higher education lecturer, we could go and you could go and lecture in international relations at the university. Sure. Or you, you could become a lawyer. Um, obviously, you'd need to do a little bit of extra training on top of your degree, but it would it would give you a, a strong basis if you were going to be the sort of lawyer who works in the whole international field. Right. And uh, I believe that your own son studied this uh, subject. Is that right? He did indeed. Yes. One of my sons uh, did IR and then he went off to work actually for the, uh, a project set up by the foreign ministry to set up um, a website aimed at young people around the world. It was really sort of a news magazine website to promote actually Germany. He was working for the German foreign ministry. And then after that, he moved through different jobs. And now he's the global director of marketing for a company. So he's now in the marketing sphere, which is a, a perhaps a good illustration of how nowadays people's careers branch off into many different and perhaps unforeseen areas. Uh, so flexibility is required, I think, in your career development and also the whole transferable skills, which is really where we started this conversation. Yeah, I was going to talk about that because this is obviously a course that, that offers you, uh, you know, really uh, a very... Um, comprehensive and detailed skill set when it comes to those transferable skills, I guess. Yeah, it does. I mean, obviously, research and analytical skills uh, play a very important role in your in your studies. Um, interpersonal skills as well, you know, building good yeah. relationships with people, stakeholders. And that's very important if you're working in a multicultural environment, which you may well end up doing. Right. And then we, we mentioned like public speaking uh, and written communication skills. And, and the ability to communicate and cooperate with different people from different backgrounds. And you can see, you mentioned military officer, but you can see the uh, the connection there as well. Um, and that's uh, obviously a, a very popular career path for, for, for many young people. Um, and so, uh, you know, that connection between international relations and uh, uh, the military, um, is relatively, um, uh, you know, sort of linear, I would imagine. It's interesting because um, if, you, if you look at some of these sort of um, news channels like CNN, for example, they, they often have former military officers there um, offering their expertise and, and input into whatever the story of the day is. But when you dig in a little bit, you'll see a lot of them have actually gone to university and... Uh, taken a degree, usually a, a master's degree, in something around the field of international relations because the military Indeed. are very keen in, in promoting education amongst their, their officers. So that's a, another way through this, I would say. Okay, so I'm fascinated by this uh, topic. Uh, what specific advice can you offer uh, me if I were to be um, considering studying uh, this specific area? Well, start off with a general piece of advice, of course, decide which country you want to study in. 
but let's assume that you've already done that. The next and right. most important step is to have a careful look at the course content. I mean, we, we were looking at King's College London's course just now in the sense that they offer a wide range of electives and modules that you can choose from. So you need to have a, a careful look at the course the university is offering and make sure that your particular area of interest is covered by what they're offering to you. And if the answer to that question is yes, then obviously leave that university on your possibilities list. Right, I guess the focus points are many and varied depending on the physical location of the university. Uh, and also it's sort of, um, I don't know, global context, uh, it's connectedness with uh, uh, one area or another. Very much so. I mean, there's a university called the Brussels School of Governance, formerly called Vesalius College, uh, obviously in the city of Brussels. And, and I think we all know that Brussels is the headquarters of the European Union, and you've also got NATO there. And so there's, there's a huge uh, variety of opportunities for students to go in there and do internships, uh, which is a wonderful opportunity if you are studying in this field. So I think right. that no matter whether you go to Brussels or not, I think you should be looking for the opportunity to go and do an internship in some sort of international organizational company. Because exactly. that's, that's what I was getting for. You know, if, you, if yeah. you're doing this, you need to, you know, you could imagine uh, Washington, you can imagine, uh, mm. you know, different locations being uh, particularly connected mm. to this realm and therefore uh, the opportunities to uh, uh, explore work experience or or even just to have uh, visiting lecturers and other people coming in is, is far greater than if you were in uh, perhaps, um, you know, a more rural setting. Yes, I mean, sort of international organizations. I mean, you mentioned Washington just now, and things like the World Bank, for example, or you might want to look at New York or Geneva, and there you have uh, the United Nations offices. There's, there's just a lot out there, but some locations are more obviously international than others. But even if you don't go to one right. of those, there are always opportunities, for example, in the capital city of your own country to actually go and perhaps do an internship in one of the government ministries. That's a very good point. Um, uh, and, and, you know, I guess course for course, different focus areas, uh, um, depending on the, um, you know, the interest uh, of uh, either the professors or, or the university. So taking a good look at the website is, is uh, important. Yes, it is. And uh, don't forget, you'll probably develop new interests as you progress through your bachelor degree. So it's a good idea to sort of have a look at the course that offers you a, a large range of, of choice or electives. Right, indeed. And, and so, you know, uh, is, is are placements important in this subject area? Do, do many courses offer a sort of connected learning experience uh, in in the field of international relations? Yes, just a quick uh, scroll through university websites, you you will rapidly see that most of them offer you know a three or possibly four year international relations degree but almost all of them have the option to combine that with a year's um, internship and or picking up a foreign language. If you were to pick up a new language, 
then the, the university would send you out usually for a year to a university in that country so you can hone your language skills and again right. this is this is something very useful and, and enjoyable for you as a student yes indeed and um i guess uh, also you know depending course for course university for university there might be different uh uh, emphasis points for careers going forwards. Uh, some uh, courses may be connected into one realm. Uh, another course might be connected into another one. Yes, depending, of course, very much on the focus of your future employer. Um, if if you're going more down the sort of the, uh, I know, intelligence analyst uh, direction, then clearly uh, you'll be working for presumably your own government in the future right and so for international students um all of those things are, are really important when they're we're looking at uh, uh trying to to um uh you know prepare for the applications uh we have the general comments as well also uh, that we always throw in around cost and finding the right fit is that right i think finding the right fit is is very very important um when you're thinking about the academic content of your course, obviously that has priority, but I would say almost equally as important is the whole environment because you do actually have to go and live there. And I think that if you feel comfortable and happy in the place that you land up in, you're far more likely to be academically successful. And by this, I mean that some students love the idea of being in the center of a big city like New York, whereas others would rather be in a smaller city or perhaps on a campus university. It's really a personal choice, but I think it's something you as a prospective student need to think carefully about what, what suits you best, what's the best fit for you. Right. And um, <clears throat> I'm guessing that um, you know, for grade 11 and 12 students, uh, they could do quite a few things in order to prepare themselves for a successful application. Uh, is that right? Yes, indeed. Um, so, some courses in school, like the IB, for example, require you to do some sort of extended essay or project work. Perhaps you can uh, do that in the field of history, politics, that some sort of related field. And because it shows then the university people, admissions people will see this and they will see that you are very committed to this direction of study. Or again, you could go and do some sort of voluntary work um, during the vacation between grade 11 and grade 12, something which has uh, an international component to it. For example, you might want to go and volunteer helping refugees. Um, this would be a very international component. And uh, in many places, that's fairly easy to organize for you as well. So there's a lot of things you can do to prepare yourself to make that application. And I guess there's uh, all of the, the normal stuff as well, Jeremy, um, housing and, and, you know, organizing your life. Yes, indeed, because uh, you won't be spending your entire time studying. Hopefully, quite a lot of your time will be spent uh, studying your subject, but you do actually have to go and live there, and that means housing. So before you go to university, you need to check out to find out whether your university offers housing to first-year students. Do they guarantee that? Or some universities offer housing for all three or four years of your degree. So you need to check up on that and also see how much it costs as well. Just a little tip. 
housing, um, the best housing tends to go quickly. So jump in and book your housing as early as possible. Yeah, and you can do uh, that, can't you? Um, you know, sometimes you can even do that uh, with just a, a provisional acceptance. Uh, other times you need to wait for uh, the formal acceptance. But as soon as you can, you should get into onto that uh, housing list. Absolutely. And then, of course, there's work. Um, really important. Some, student, some students want to work alongside their academic program. Some, some students need to for financial reasons. Um, this, of course, raises an interesting issue. If you are not a citizen of the country in which you are going to study, then you'll need to be there on a student visa. And you need to check carefully on the terms and conditions of your student visa. Now, in most countries, uh, they will allow you to work alongside your studies, but they may restrict the number of hours you can work. So you do need to check this carefully. And it does really vary, doesn't it, from country to country. Mm. I know that, uh, you know, we, we, in previous episodes, we've taken a good look at Ireland and um, at the UK. Um, and their their work um, permits or the, the 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 ability to work on a student visa is relatively flexible. In Canada, uh, it's um, very flexible, um, and uh, you know work is uh, is uh, uh, intrinsic part of that uh, student permit. In the USA, it's it's more limited or can be. Is that right? Um, sometimes it depends what, what type of visa you're on, but in the USA and, and some other countries might restrict the number of hours you're allowed to work, at least during during the semester time. Right. Uh, typically, okay. typically a restriction of 20 hours. But realistically speaking, if you are going to be doing a proper job on your academic studies, I doubt whether you're going to have more than 20 hours spare to actually go out and work. That's because you, you you have to strike some sort of balance between your studies and your and your work, right? And um, you know, obviously, the the other thing about applying is making sure that you've got the the minimum academic requirements uh, for the course. Um, what are they? <laughs> Good question. They vary from place to place, uh, but they will be published on the university website. Um, and in, in most cases, you need to meet the minimum requirements in terms of grades. Okay. And in, in terms of international relations, uh, what kind of subjects should you be studying? Is it is it sort of a broad range, or are there you know do you need to be studying global politics, for example, at high school, or or, or are the uh, uh, subjects um, at high school more flexible than that? That's an excellent question. I mean, most high schools don't teach a course called international relations or politics. Um, so I think that you should be looking really to study courses where you get to do a little bit of uh, research and you get to do writing, writing essays. Now, pretty much all high school students are going to be doing this anyway. If you're taking English class, you're going to have to write some essays. You might want to think about taking subjects like history or economics or geography. Um, but realistically speaking, the universities don't make any particular demands in that respect. Right. So it's a good course uh, to think about if you, um, you know, uh, uh, have chosen at grade 10 a sort of broad spectrum of, of subject areas, uh, perhaps with no particular focus point. 
Yes, I think that uh, you just have to have a, a general interest in that direction uh, in terms of subjects. Clearly, there are some university subjects which are very specific in terms of what you have to have studied in school. But IR, politics, happily, is not one of those. They will right. take you with almost any spread of subjects. But having said that, there's obviously a, a skill set that you need to bring in order to be successful at studying international relations. Uh, what kind of uh, skills are really important for students in this field? Well, obviously, research and analytical skills uh, play an important role uh, when you're studying IR. So you should have some sort of familiarity with this from school. Um, writing skills, obviously, because you're going to be doing a lot of essay writing. Um, and then there are things like... Um, evaluating ideas and concepts and really having a sort of an open-minded approach at an academic level to to what you're reading and uh, and proposing because you're going to have to stand right. up there and give presentations to your fellow students um, and then of course a cultural awareness uh, because international relations what might seem obvious to us approaching it from like a, a western cultural background would seem completely different uh, to someone from a, a different part of the world, a different culture. So you do, you do need to have this sort of cultural awareness as well. Really, really important. Um, and and do you have any, um, I don't know, specific advice you can offer um, uh, international prospective international relations students? Yes, um, you could, of course, go and check to find out where the top international relations universities are country by country. And I did a little sort of digging around on this one. And I'll just right. throw out a few a few names for you. Well, the St. Andrews University in the UK, Oxford, Cambridge, King's College, London, that we've just quoted, London School of Economics, Warwick University, Sussex University. Then moving across the United States, Princeton, Georgetown, Stanford, Tufts, Harvard, Yale. And then north of the border into Canada, we've got University of Toronto, University of British Columbia, Queens. And then back across the pond in Europe, you've got Sciences Po in Paris, the IE University in Madrid, Leiden okay. University in the Netherlands. And then in Asia, we have the National University of Singapore. University of Hong Kong, University of Tokyo, Seoul National University. Then we've got the Australian National University, and the list goes on and on. I mean, if you're really interested in digging in a bit further, you can go onto a website like QS Rankings and just ask for the rankings for international relations, and you'll find a long, long list there. They tend to be, looking at that list, uh, tend to be the, the big-name universities in in any specific location. Is that because of the governmental connect? Not really. It's just I happen to pick out the big-name universities from a very long okay. list. Um, if, if, you, if you don't want to go to a big-name university, can't afford the fees, or perhaps your grades aren't high enough, don't worry. There'll be plenty of other places you can go to. Right. And um, I guess, uh, you know, uh, the the opportunity to take a minor or, or, or an extensive uh, uh, elective program is also important. Yeah, we, we touched briefly on this. Uh, I was talking about picking up an extra language. A lot of these courses yeah. are combined with, you see, like international relations plus German plus Spanish plus Russian, etc. 
Um, but you could, of course, combine it with a, a minor in law or business or, or just about anything else. It just depends on how flexible that particular university is. And this is what I was saying earlier on about looking at the flexibility of the program and how you can actually build this program together. I mean, Neil, you, you mentioned um, it sounds as if it's similar to um, a liberal arts and sciences program. And, and it, in some ways it can be. Of course, it, it depends a little bit on, on the university itself. Right, but you, for example, that, that idea of combining it with law, you could understand that that would be a very powerful combination, wouldn't it? Yes, indeed. Uh, I mean, there are some programs. I mean, there's a very good program um, at Tilburg University in the Netherlands called Global Law, which is really a mix yeah. between international relations and law and prepares you to go out and work in international organizations and international companies. So how should a student go about uh, applying for an international relations uh, degree, Jeremy? Well, just to reiterate a few of the things we've already covered. First of all, decide which country you want to study. Sure. Secondly, look at your grades and the entry requirements at each specific university and make sure they match. Right and look at Catholic, the course content, which we spent quite a bit of time talking about in this episode, and look at the location of the university. Um, but very important, I would say, look at the percentage of graduating students who are employed within six months of graduation. This is always a really important data point, no matter what subject you're going to apply for. Um, right, but in, you, in this subject, it might be particularly relevant, may it not? Because- uh, Yes, indeed. Then, you know, some some universities uh, may have uh, you know real strength there, and others uh, perhaps not. So, uh, I think it's a really pertinent piece of advice, especially for international relations. This is one of the reasons why I picked out that list of uh, very highly ranked universities. I mean, whether you are able to go to one of those, of course, will depend largely on on your grades. But hopefully, you will be able to do that. Right. Okay. Anything else? Yes, career areas. Um, we sort of touched on this as well. But if you go onto a university website, they normally publish a list of, you know, our graduating students have moved on to work in the following areas or fields. And it makes fascinating reading because at first glance, you probably can't see any connection between the career listed and the subject, in this case, IR. Uh, but we, we mentioned the fact that you will be um, developing and honing transferable skills. And these will be the skills that employers will be going out to look for when they're recruiting. And uh, I would say this, that if you are in a, a highly ranked university, employers will come to the university looking to recruit people with specific skill sets, whether your degree is IR or something else, probably doesn't feature too prominently in the thinking of the prospective employer. So it's important uh, to go to a good university, and this is where employers will come and recruit you. Let's talk a little bit about costs now. Um, international relations, does it come at the higher end of, um, uh, you know, tuition fees structures within different countries, or is it uh, uh, at the lower end, Jeremy? Very interesting question. Um, a lot of countries like the UK, for example, if you're an international student, um, 
the, the, the course or tuition fees vary depending on the subject. Typically, right. the, the, I had a very interesting conversation yesterday with the admissions tutor from Cambridge University, and he made this point that if you study a subject like so engineering, for example, or science subjects, the university has to provide more facilities. We're talking about laboratories, basically, which are expensive. However, if you study a subject like international relations, um, it's cheaper and easier for the university to set up a subject like this because right. well, you, you obviously need access to a library. Much of it's online nowadays anyway, but they don't have to come up with expensive facilities for you. So within the framework of that particular university, fees for international relations tend to be at the lower end of the scale, I would say. Right. And of course, that varies country for country and, and, yeah. and, and location for location. So in many ways, this is a, you know, how long is a piece of string conversation? Um, but, but, but of, you know, looking at the spectrum of courses, engineering uh, would be probably at the higher end and uh, international relations would be one of those courses that would be at the lower end of the, the fee cost. But what are we looking at? Well, again, you, you rightly say it varies a lot country by country. Some countries uh, finance their university system with taxpayers' money. Right. And in, those in those countries, of course, the fees are going to be lower. Other countries, uh, the universities are, are private, uh, so fees tend to be a lot higher. Um, but I think, you know, it, it's very hard to sort of pin down one particular number as an answer to your question. I, I would say that... Um, fees range anything from 60,000 a year down to free. Again, right. it depends on the country. So the, uh, the message here is shop around. And of course, make sure that you factor in all the living costs and all of the other costs that, that come uh, as a result of leaving home. Um, you know, it isn't just the tuition fees, is it? Very, very right. Um, I mean, you've got housing costs, uh, food costs. And the other thing to think about is some countries are more expensive than others. I mean, if you were to go and study in Scandinavia, for example, um, costs are quite high, food and housing costs, whereas other countries, the cost would be substantially lower. So there are a lot of things that you need to research uh, when you're thinking about where to go and study. And any final advice for somebody who's interested in studying international relations or politics? Yes, um, look carefully at the structure of the course, as it's usually uh, a very broad offering. If you have a particular interest in one area, make sure that your university offers that and covers that. Um, perhaps you want to add to your CV for future employability by doing an internship or learning a foreign language. But basically, the advice is do your research before you jump in and apply for the course. Right. Fantastic, uh, Jeremy. Thank you for that. Uh, um, it sounds like a really uh, um, engaging course uh, uh, that offers a, a lot of opportunity to to deeply understand the world around us and and uh, the kind of challenges and opportunities that uh, uh, countries and companies face going forwards. It's a fascinating course, and it can lead you into many, many different career areas. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and share the Find Your Best Future podcast.